All right, I've got it rolling. Uh, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you're listening to the Shellcock Podcast. We're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 Intrust in Kansas City. This week on the show, we have Mark Serrano. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, we've just been uh, chatting about the uh, storming of the U.S. Capitol right now, in case you're any, anyone is wondering when we're recording this. Uh, yeah, just, it's a, what a time to be alive. What a time. Just shout out Drake and Future. Um, but yeah, I guess where I usually start is, um, I don't know, I like getting to know where my guests, like kind of music uh, taste and like kind of history, like personal history with the music is so I guess like what was like what kind of music were you listening to growing up and everything yeah so um always been huge on hip-hop since I was born um my family is from El Salvador so uh my family escaped the civil war that was happening over there and they moved to California um in 92 and uh that was a crazy time as well um uh, but the culture over there uh, is is basically what you would see if you ever watched one of those old two short videos or E40 or old Snoop Dogg videos. And it was just lowriders, gangbangers, barbecues, cookouts, that kind of thing. So even when I was a baby, uh, I was listening to NWA, Ice Cube, uh, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, uh, Cypress Hill like that was the influence that was the music that I was raised on um, from birth to up into my childhood and that was my only like real understanding of music like everything else just didn't like make sense to me and it was only that just like that very classic west coast uh, stuff until I branched out later on in uh, high school and things like that. Oh yeah and it's, it's like Cal- California is like kind of like you know you could kind of always argue that what's happening in California is like big and relevant within like pop music and in general but like I think especially in like the 90s a lot of people like I don't know because like people in punk always talk about like oh I wish I was around in the early 80s to see like Black Flag and or in DC to see like Minor Threat but I feel like that particular like part of time uh, to be around in California for for the hip hop that was coming out then must have been like like I I, I don't know I, I see people like you probably I'm sure you talk to people that are like jealous that you got to kind of grow up like so <laughs> so close to that geographically yeah and even if I was born maybe five years before that I could probably appreciate it a little bit more yeah uh, just because I was an infant just because I was a toddler or eight. Uh, growing up in that eight in the era um it was just what was normal and I never I didn't think this was a moment you know that never occurred to me until later and I was like oh all the music that I was listening to back then was the most impactful of a generation or of the culture or of just music in general yeah um so yeah how how long have you been in Kansas City then uh, I've been in Kansas City for, I want to say four years now. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, prior to that, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. When did you end up moving from California to Georgia? Uh, so it wasn't direct from California to Atlanta. Uh, I've lived all over the United States. So there was some time in Seattle. There was some time uh, in Columbia, Missouri. There was, you know, I just had different stints in different cities at different times in my life, uh, just due to various reasons. Um, but yeah, uh, Atlanta was very impactful for me in my development in the uh, spectrum of hip hop. No, yeah, that's another kind of like, I feel like people are going to look back or like are probably already looking back on like early 10s Atlanta as a like a cultural kind of hot spot too. And, you know, even like, it, I mean, I'm sure it's it's even grown since then, but to, to be there for like the kind of the like early, I mean, like the kind of like the blog era of trap is like, yeah, I know, even just personally for me, at least, I like I see that as kind of a, like, I don't know, I feel like, even though trap music is still like super relevant, like I, I kind of see like the early tens as like kind of somewhat of a like a golden era for that sound. Yeah, totally. So. Um, now that you mention it, I actually didn't realize that I was there for the birth of that really. Mm. Um, Cause when I moved to Atlanta, I was very into conscious hip hop. And if you weren't speaking on lyrical things like a Lupe Fiasco or uh, Immortal Technique, I didn't think your value as an artist was relevant to me. At that time, I was very snobbish about it. Um, and then I moved to Atlanta. And then uh, the two guys that were big at that time were Gucci Man and Waka Flocka. Yeah. And they aren't necessarily <laughs> super conscious uh, or lyrical rappers. But uh, I got to feel that culture. And I got to understand the importance of it. And uh, that whole trap movement, that whole wave. I really got to see the birth of it now that I look back at it um, and how impactful it was. And it even converted me to a snob to someone that was a little more open-minded to that and to that culture. Do do you think, uh, I don't know, because I I figure there's like, I'm I'm no expert on it myself, but I feel like there are parallels to be drawn between like early nineties, like California gangster rap, and then like the burgeoning kind of trap, movement and in like the late aughts and the early tens like mm-hmm. but uh yeah it, was there like a particular moment or like a, a song or an album that really like made you open up to trap music when when you were kind of witnessing that or did, was it just kind of a slow thing over time it was uh it was the party you know um you would go to one of these events and you are just packed like sardines in someone's mansion or a club and it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people packed and uh and if it was just any waka flocka song or any gucci man song the whole entire crowd would just sing and just like unison it was really one of like the most amazing things you could have seen at that time like people were really feeling it um and just for that moment, everyone was at peace uh, until, you know, someone got their shoes stepped on and then the fight had to break out. But, you know, at that time, I was just like, wow, this is like, okay, this is really impactful. This is moving something forward. These guys are letting off a message. Um, and Atlanta and many cities across the United States are suffering 
Um, and one of those only ways to get out was, or unfortunately, uh, the mindset is the only way to get out is to trap. That's how you survive. That's how you move. That's how you eat. That's how you get respect and get women in this world. And uh, as destructive as it is, it is a reality. So there was, there's an art to that. Yeah. No. And uh, were there, was um, like live music um, something that was important to you, like getting into hip hop growing up and like becoming a fan of a lot of these artists? Or are you most like, cause you know, you, you, de- you deal in uh, uh, down, like, you know, recorded music on your, on Mixtape Monkey, but uh, yeah, like does, has, did live music ever have like a big impact on you? I think I have a distaste for live music. Um, yeah. I've been friends with a lot of artists for a long time. And for me, I don't get to go in, pay the ticket and enjoy the show and then leave. Um, I don't ever get to enjoy it like that. I'm always doing really awful errands that I think <laughs> even when I was a kid, I thought I was just above, but you know, the show has to go on. So whether it's me, you know, having to fetch new mics cause the mics broke or uh, running to get waters or uh, you know, having to find chargers for phones or helping uh, you know, the staff set up or take down or break down. Um, and just doing all those little things just because on a friendship level, I wanted to help these artists succeed and to make their shows run smoothly. So yeah, it's more of a job for me (laughs) when I go to shows, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so it's really hard for me to, and then even if I do go into a show now or before pandemic, uh, I am critiquing everything. I'm like, okay, the soundboard you know it just needs a different engineer completely or uh they need better mics or the mix bad or the way they handled the ticketing was really bad or there's not enough security or like and i'm just looking at all these different things and i'm over analyzing everything and i just can never be in the moment um so recording music is kind of just where i have to like stay and enjoy as much as i can yeah no i yeah it's kind of funny like if i like, I don't know, I think live live music has always been important to me just because before I was like doing any like music adjacent work, I was like going to concerts when I was a teenager. And that's how I like became even more of a music fan than I was when I was younger. But uh, it's like when you are forced to work in any capacity around live music, it can be kind of like hard to disengage and kind of just like be in the moment and appreciate the music like and like i'm i'm even just talking about like you know like punk shows where there's like a few dozen to maybe a hundred people there but like i'm still like you know doing the door or like just running around yeah doing like errands and stuff but yeah so i i definitely understand when like that uh live music may not be as impactful if you're put in those circumstances yeah and uh, i also hate studio life um where artists will want me to almost a and r curate their sound through the whole process of recording their album and i'm not doing anything but saying yes or no because i don't i'm not an engineer Mm. it's uh it becomes tedious where you just have to hear a guy punch in his 
verse a dozen, two dozen times over to get it right. And that process becomes really tedious because I'm not really hands-on with it and I'm just giving the yes or no. Uh, so that is also a thing that I just no longer do. It's just, I don't, I don't go to people's recordings and I usually avoid shows unless they're really small and intimate and I have, and I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Like if I can just get a drink and enjoy the show, that's the only circumstance you're really going to catch me at. Uh, other than that, it, everything else feels like work. And I prefer to keep the feeling of work away from the music because that is really detrimental. And it's a, it's a hole that I've fallen into a couple times uh, when you are a curator or someone that's trying to push artists into a uh, better direction. I guess we can work our way to uh, how you got into uh, the work that you do because uh, you you created the website Mixtape Monkey mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a, a digital mixtape website and um, and you you've been you've been running it since 2011. Yes, yeah. is that right? Yeah. So and you 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 dealt with like the web design and figuring out what music gets put on there, but you you also did the the graphic design and everything for yes, it. Yes, everything, hundred percent me. Oh yeah. So how, how did you first, um, become interested in like, uh, web design and graphic design? Right. Uh, so it's a slow evolution over the course of my childhood. It first became sketching and I got really into sketching. Um, and that slowly evolved into graphic design, uh, where I wanted to see, uh, my artwork in some of the things that I enjoyed, like video games or, album covers or things like that and that's where it slowly built up and then uh then myspace came out and that was like the coolest thing ever uh at the time and uh i w- i wanted to customize my website but i didn't know how uh so i basically reverse engineered the templates that those myspace generators would give you so i can edit my own things uh, then I started charging people, then Tumblr came out, and then I started charging people for Tumblr pages, and then I just slowly built up into that early 2009, 10, 11 era, and then uh, I figured it was time for me to build a masterpiece, you know, I was a really crappy designer back then, but, you know, in my head, I was like, I've, I've mastered enough where I can present to the world with a real .com, um, and it was going to be called mixtapejunkie.com. And the logo was horrendous. <laughs> it was a guy injecting music into his forearm. And that's just like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Now that I look back, it's like, wow, my childhood was really fucked up where I thought that was like a cool thing to do. Uh, um, I... <laughs> yeah, so. Sounds like um, a cool logo, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was I'd love, cool. I'd love to see an, er- an early rendering of that. Ooh, I, I'm sure that's been destroyed at some point um and someone bought the domain name and i was like okay well i can't have that uh so i'm sitting there and i'm just thinking and then um monkey just kind of clicked with me um i was born in 92 you're the monkey uh my favorite cartoon characters were monkeys essentially it was you know uh goku uh from dragon ball he was a monkey boy it was uh curious George when I was a baby you know he was just this little monkey just trying to run around the city and figure out what's up so I was like all right I kind of resonate with that so 
put it together. I dropped the first build and that night uh, I got 137 downloads and uh, it kind of just propelled from there. But there was many reasons why I built that specific site. Mm. Oh yeah. And uh, before we move more into that, I did, so you, you talked about wanting to do designs for album covers and video games and stuff. Did you, did you ever get like any cool placements that like before you were doing uh, the website or even after you're doing it? Uh, I was doing some mixtape covers for some local artists back in the day, but none of them ever like made it big. So I'm sure all those designs have, are buried somewhere in the internet. And as far as video games, uh, no, I never really got to interact with the people that build video games, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but that is still something that's like on my bucket list. Um, and hopefully that's something that I get to do one day is contribute assets or into the build of a video game. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, what were some of the first uh, like mixtapes that you were um, uploading to the website and like what, what got a lot of like clicks early on? Right. So the site of collecting mixtapes uh, is definitely not an original idea because um, there was that piff and live mixtapes at the time. But uh, there was this really edgy group back in the day called Odd Future Wolfgang Kill Them All. And I was hooked on their music. Uh, it was, it really had a hold on me. It was, now I look back, it was very uh, just counterculture. Yeah. And I was just so with that vibe. It was just, you know, fuck all the rules, just do whatever you want. You know, we're, we're young. We just do our thing and we just cause problems because fuck it. Yeah. And that was, that was really fun and exciting at that time. So um, their Tumblr page is where you could download all their mixtapes. But the problem with that is that their Tumblr page sucked. Design-wise, it sucked. Links only halfway worked. And then they were all spread across different platforms. So some of them had Hulk share links. Some of them had Mediafire links. Some of them were like uh, DatPiffs links. And I think those were just backups of backups. So like it was hard to narrow down these original file sizes or these file, uh, these original MP3s. And I was just like, man, why doesn't any website just have all of these mixtapes available? When yeah. I type in Odd Future, I want to see all the Odd Future mixtapes. Um, and it got to the point where I was like, I'll just do it myself. And that's where kind of Mixtape Monkey came into play or well, the reason why I built it. So I uh, scoured the internet for months just looking for these really rare mixtapes and you know sometimes you download them and then it's like missing track four and you're just like fuck okay yeah. i have to go like find it so i eventually collected them all to the best of my knowledge and i posted them and uh those were those were early bets uh in the catalog or the collection of mixtape monkey that helped it grow to what it was to, to what it is today mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and I, I I was uh I was looking at your your YouTube channel earlier too, and like I, I scrolled down to like some of the earliest uploads on there, and I think oh, there's God, like yeah. an early like Earl mixtape that you uploaded, and some, yeah. some classic tracks on there. Yeah, um, I had really bad logo assets back then too. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I guess it, I, I think anyone who knows me knows that I was a big God Future fan when uh they came out and. Like, yeah, I think you're, you're right that they did a lot, like they appealed to 
a lot of countercultural, like, and in that sense, kind of a uh, punk rock, like, kind of aesthetic and yeah. energy. So that's that's what I liked about him, since that's kind of the music I was into first. So, uh, what was there any like specific Odd Future stuff that like struck you early, or did you kind of just get into it kind of slowly? Uh, yeah. So. I remember seeing Tyler Crater's French music video. It's really bad if you go back. But I was just like, the way he just started off the song was just like, whoa, (laughs) you know, this guy is just like out of control. Um, And then I started, and then I watched the Earl video. And that was, that blew my mind. I was, and then it was just that thing where everyone's on Reddit forums and we're trying to figure out like, is it real? What what are they mixing into this potion that they made that just made them wild out? uh did earl's nipples really bleed <laughs> like like what was really happening did tyler crater have that seizure or was he faking it was just like we're just trying to figure it out and then then they ended with a uh, fuck steve harvey and you're like okay well what the fuck did steve harvey do <laughs> so we're just like trying to figure out and trying to decipher what's going on with these kids why do they hate steve harvey why do they hate two dope boys where's all this beef and where are all this anger is coming from and yeah, no. it was just so addictive, you know, you just, it was like yeah. a magnet. I couldn't get enough of that shit. No, yeah, they, they always kind of had their own, like, kind of whole, like, mythology and, like, odd future universe, just since you have, like, so many people were involved and they had all these kind of what seemed like really random, like, yeah. catchphrases and, like, stuff in their videos and stuff. Like, and, yeah, like, the, the Earl video and the, the Yonkers video were, like, probably the two first things oh, yeah. i came across and was really like excited about um, and then tyler had like these multiple personalities where he yeah. was tyler the creator ace the creator wolf haley yeah and we don't know if these were combinations of guys or this was a different guy or he's just going through different names yeah and uh, even went to dj stang daddy for a little bit <laughs> that was a fun time uh so yeah it was just like i was just such a huge fan and i just wanted everyone else to just find an easier place to download all those things um because they made it really difficult unfortunately uh so i wanted to ask about how like you mentioned that like some of those early odd future tapes were important to uh building the website but did like was there anything in specific you were doing i mean besides building like this kind of collection of like cool and kind of rare mixtapes like was was there anything you were like really actively doing besides that to like bring in a new audience or like kind of market the website because it yeah it I feel like it it did grow relatively quickly for something that was kind of an independent thing yeah um so there was no marketing dollars ever involved in this um and everything was just built off really good seo um, and that was just from me being a very diligent programmer, programmer, uh, hardly a programmer these days, but I was really diligent and just uh, making sure I tagged everything correctly, did everything by Google standards, things like that. Then it was collecting whole collections of mixtapes. And that was kind of like my big push on social media was like, you get all the odd future here. You get all the Lupe Fiasco here. You get all the Royce to five nine tapes here. You get all the Mickey Fax mixtapes here. Like, I wanted you to find it all here. And I'm going to make it easy, too. So I was the first website um, out of all the mixtapes to do one-click download. 
So if you go to Make Say Monkey now, there are no logins, there are no signups. It's completely free. You go in, hit download, you have it. You're not watching a video. You're not being, I mean, you're probably being hit with more ads than I'm comfortable with, but you know, that's just one of those things that keep the websites up. But comparatively, this is the easiest way to download those tapes. Yeah. So okay. that was like the big push. Mm. Um, oh yeah, and I guess um, something that's always kind of played like uh, just like MP3 music in general has been kind of uh, the constant kind of weird threat of like copyright violations and stuff. Is that something that you dealt with a lot early on or managed to evade and like how has that kind of changed over the years of running the site yeah early on it wasn't a problem mm -hmm. um i think it was just because i was so small and there was just bigger fish in the sea but as i grew to a couple million views a month um, i definitely got a lot of emails from a lot of labels and a lot of uh government official letters or whatever it is um and it was it was difficult and I kind of had to learn the law uh, the hard way. Um, I was never taken down. I did lose some uh, potential, well, not potential. I'd lost a couple servers. Uh, so basically a website has to be hosted on a server uh, for it to be distributed for everyone to look it up. Um, so unfortunately I've been kicked out of a lot of servers because of that. Um, now with the new server, they're a little bit more understanding with my circumstance um, and how flexible I am with it. So for example, um, let's say you're a fan of an artist uh, and he dropped a bunch of mixtapes before he was signed. He let them for free. Everything's good. I got millions of downloads. Now he's signed. Uh, sometimes the label will uh, purchase those recordings and those will now be copyrighted under that label. Um, so the label will come back and hit me with the copyright and like, hey, this is what you're doing. This is a takedown notice. If you don't take it down, we'll shut you down or we'll go to law or uh, we'll lawyer up or whatever it is. And then uh, I would have to reply like, well, I was given this mixtape to distribute for free. Um, and I'd have to battle them on that. Um, but now we have a good understanding, me and most of the labels, uh, to where when that does happen, uh, I don't take it down. I just replace it with a title embed and a title download, which isn't as nice for some people because you'll have to pay for those services. Yeah. Uh, but it is a way for me to promote that album still and for them to get paid off of it and for them, the label to recoup on their earnings or their, uh, their investment. So that's kind of the dance that we're doing now. Um, so if I step out of line, we just have a discussion, we fix it, we move forward. Um, yeah, I've been kind of lucky with it because uh, earlier in the 90s, people were getting raided for that shit. Yeah. Oh so. yeah, and I, I think the, uh, I, I think I watched the, the hip hop evolution thing on Netflix and I remember there's the, the whole episode or like part of one episode talks about like some a government raid on like dj dramas yeah. like mixtape like collection and all that so uh yeah, yeah. glad to hear that it's 
not been <laughs> huge, hugely an issue for you? Yeah, um, yeah, because things like that kind of laid out the foundation for what me and Dad Payphone Live Mixtapes does. Um, so basically, the idea is that we're not selling the music; it is free for promotional use only. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we don't actually sell. So I'm not in the business of selling uh, that. I'm in the business of selling advertising space. Yeah. So Mixtape Monkey makes money through ads on the website and we just happen to host free mixtapes there mm. oh, yeah uh, something that i thought was kind of interesting um is that i think in like one of the startland articles um that was written about mixtape monkey you mentioned that you actually have built grown kind of a like a large following like of users from africa and like so yeah. you've, you've kind of got into distributing, like posting like some more like kind of regional African artists over the years? Uh, I have a little bit, mm. um, but they're mostly obsessed with American artists. Yeah. And that was just one of those weird things. Um, I think other websites are probably making the barrier a little bit too difficult for uh, these emerging companies or these emerging countries. Mm. Um, but my site's super easy to use. So uh yeah nigeria and south africa especially are going through this consumption of american hip-hop and they're really huge fans i mean they're crazy about this stuff um to the point where uh even crystal with the kh a uh, local rapper in kansas city yeah. uh when she posted her mixtape on mixtape monkey um she saw about five thousand downloads uh on her first uh mixtape relatively quickly uh and it was all from south africa and it was just one of those weird things that kind of blew my mind i was like wow um i knew this was kind of worldwide but i didn't know i could introduce new artists to different countries in that kind of way um and i kind of want to build upon that um i'm still trying to figure out how but um i think that's where the value long term for mixing monkey is is where I can get an artist that has zero fans and give them 10,000 fans in a different country. And I think there'll be a lot of value in that um, if they decide to sign with a label or not. Yeah, so hopefully uh, after the pandemic, Crystal can go uh, tour to South Africa and be, be greeted with thousands of fans. That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, if I, could, if I could break an artist like that, that would, that'd be great. Um, uh yeah the the goals and ambitions for mixing monkey keeps getting pushed over and over because at the very beginning of it it was just a fan site it was i was happy to get a thousand download like a thousand users on my i was like whoa this mind-blowing and the fact that i can make it into a career and it's something that i do for full-time living um i mean it's beyond expectations oh yeah and um something I, I meant to ask when we were talking about the the early odd future stuff is like yeah what did you did you have any um other like big favorites like kind of back in the the early 10s like when the, the, the site was just starting and stuff that you were excited to to have on there you mentioned yeah. Lupe fiasco you're yeah fan. lupe was there royce uh mickey fax um i got into future a lot um 
the cool kids especially those are <laughs> love the cool kids so much mm. um uh let's see uh i was one of the first sites to put up uh chance to rapper tapes that was that was a huge thing um because i i met him uh during the 10-day tour oh, nice. and he did a performance with in front of like maybe 20 people huh. where's that and yeah, it was at the Blue Note in Columbia, Missouri. And I think I was just visiting Columbia from Atlanta uh, because I have family up there. And I was like, yeah, let's check out this Chance Rapper guy. He's from Chicago. Should be cool. No one shows up, essentially. He performs. He's having a blast. He's performing like there's a million people there. And uh, he, he has like these water bottles and he's just like flicking into the audience trying to like hype us up. Uh, one of the guys I was with was really pissed because he brought a really expensive camera. <laughs> so uh, he was, he wasn't too pleased about that, but yeah, I saw it and I was like, wow. Okay. Um, I really like the music. I really like the content. I looked them up. I liked the videos. So I was like, all right, I'll just post them. And then within a year turnaround, he sold out an auditorium in that same city. So uh, that was, that was like a really good, uh, that was a really good bet I put on someone early. Mm. It was a uh, chance to rapper artist like Tanache when she was doing mixtapes in her basement or whatever it was. Uh, God, there's just so many artists. I mean, yeah. up until this point, I think we have about 400 different artists posted right now. Mm. So, and um, I don't know, kind of to move into uh, some of the work you're doing right now on uh, the website and uh, the app you just launched. Um, I, I think I may have used this term earlier, but I, do, do you, do you uh, resent at all or like are bothered by like people talking about like the blog era or the mixtape era? Like it's a, like kind of like painting it as like just kind of a, like a bygone thing that isn't like really relevant right now. I don't know. Dude. Yeah, I get that. Um, but things come in and out of relevance. I mean, there was a time where we thought the labels were going to die and now they're stronger than ever. Yep. Um, and even mixtapes, they've died a couple times. It was cassettes being passed out. That died down. Then it became CDs that died out. There was USBs for like four days. That definitely died down. Um, it was the websites those coming in now i mean it's it's hard to say um i think the biggest thing is to move forward and to evolve it um and that's kind of what i'm trying to do with the app um i think the biggest thing that holds all of us back is the fact that we're separate websites with different catalogs and we just pretend we don't exist to each other and um i kind of hope that this app because it's not really an app, it's more of a tool. And it basically brings back old school file sharing down to your iPhone and letting someone download a zip file and enjoy MP3s without the mess. Um, and yeah, it's something that you can use on DatPiff or Spinrilla or whatever website, something you can use off a Dropbox link. Doesn't matter. I don't really care where you get your music from it's the fact that you find it and enjoy it and it's relatively easy. Oh yeah. So the, the app is called tape eater. 
We launched yeah. it last month. Uh, yeah, December 19th. And it's on uh, the App Store on iPhones. Is, is it Android right now? or just- uh, It's it's not Android. It's and uh, The Android will come. I'm trying to get it done by summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just depends on the on the performance on iOS um, because I'm not the only one that's doing development or design on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting a bunch of people and I'm contracting. So there are costs involved. And if it doesn't make sense, I can't keep putting my savings <laughs> at risk for this because I am putting my savings at risk for this. Uh, it's something that I believe in. I think it's a useful tool. Um, and it's just one of those things as an entrepreneur, you just got to risk it. And even if it doesn't make money, I think it's, I, I legitimately think it's a very helpful tool if you are trying to collect these old records that you cannot find on Spotify, you cannot find uh, on uh, the Apple Music Store or Tidal or whatever it is. These are rare projects that just won't ever get those samples cleared. Yeah. Oh yeah, so you, you kind of explained it already, but the the app is basically a tool that so like if you are on your phone or your tablet you can go to a mixtape monkey or other mixtape websites download the zip the zip folders that have all these mixtape songs on them and mm-hmm. the app when you when you when you select the zip folder in the app will unzip it and you can listen and listen to and kind of organize the the songs from those mixtapes yeah uh, it's supposed to self-organize um Mm -hmm. and i'm even trying i mean currently it's at like four steps and i'm trying to get it down to like two um Mm -hmm. but apple is really difficult with this type of stuff and file sharing and file management they're really particular on what you can and cannot do in their ecosystem which i get that's what makes them apple uh, but yeah, um, it is, I mean, before this, you really couldn't do it. And if you really wanted to, you would have to download spin Adaptive, and all these other streaming apps or mixtapes, and then kind of just go back and forth between these different catalogs. And I don't want people to be restricted with that. And also if you have a library of music in your old hard drive or something, it's something you can easily import over to the app and just listen to all your old favorites from there too. So like you don't even have to use mixtape websites. You can use your old catalog. You can use that thumb drive that you had since you were in high school um, to move all those files over, so. Yeah, no, and it's kind of like, you're basically trying to solve the problem of collecting mixtapes in an age where people are doing most things on their phone and they're not stopping to like, plug their phone or their their iPod or whatever into their computer and transfer over all the music you want to get to somewhere where you can store it all physically on your phone, but use this app to uh, collect it. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a big problem with the No Ceilings 3 mixtape drop, because I don't think that hit Spotify, did it? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't looked for it on there. Because I'm pretty sure it was was just released on DatPit for a little bit. And then all the other sites got it. But I don't know if Spotify or Tidal ever got that project. And if it's something that you wanted to hear, if you're a diehard Little Wayne fan, yeah. I want that to be an easier experience for you. I mean, some people don't have laptops. That's a reality. Yeah. Um, some people only have the phone. And if that's all you have, this is a very easy way to just 
consume that music. Yeah. No, and uh, it is kind of funny. I'm, I think I, I qualify as either like the the oldest member of Gen Z or the youngest member of the millennial generation. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I just turned 24, but um, oh shit. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because like def like basically everyone younger than me has never like has either had very little or no experience with mp3s and file sharing they've kind of basically just known youtube and mixtape sites i mean uh, i mean youtube and streaming sites mm-hmm. for pretty much their entire adult life so do you have you have you interacted much with like people like my age and younger who like don't have a lot of like any like any or little experience with file sharing and kind of talk to them about what you're working on yeah so i have a few cousins and just like a couple kids that i've seen around the block and you know they're essentially teenagers and they're going through their own uh phase of music whatever that is looking like um uh but yeah they definitely don't know what the hell i'm doing or what the hell i'm talking about and it's so beyond them um but once i show them how it works they're like oh little uzi has mixtapes that i've never heard of before i'm like yeah yeah now you see the value in this because you can't get that on apple music and then like oh yeah uh, my older brother liked Lil wayne a lot and then i could show them that catalog and this is one of those things that if uh the young adult was fascinated enough with these artists there is a viable way for them to discover music back then because as much as spotify does that for some of the music in the 80s and the 70s and the 90s it there is this little gray area where music wasn't being posted through the labels so at least in hip-hop yeah no i i I guess i kind of see that I'm, i'm sure you realize this but like that that is kind of your whole battle uh in in making this app successful is just like explaining and uh showing like younger listeners that there is like so much of some of these artist catalogs that you are missing out on just by uh, strictly using streaming yeah yeah i mean for a young future fan right now if all you think is mask off and then after that yeah then you're missing out on a lot of future a lot, you're a lot of crucial a lot future of, a lot yeah of... a lot of crucial future even if it's just like old school NBA young boy like not all of his stuff's on Spotify right now yeah so if that's someone that you listen to for whatever reason <laughs> yeah you fan. can I'm a fan mark um <laughs> he he definitely has hits he definitely has hits um it's just going so I'm old school where I listen to full albums yeah and that's something that kids don't do apparently so um it's it's a weird conflict. I'm, I kind of want to bring that. If I could somehow bring back full albums to the youth, that'd be great. Because every kid I talk to is just like, oh, I just like the songs that I like and I put them in a playlist. And I'm like, there's just so many good full length albums. If you just sat there and go A to Z, your life will change. Yeah, but, no. And I, uh, I definitely like, I, I grew up kind of an album guy, also like a full project guy. Um, 
and um what was i gonna say i yeah no it's kind of um the only and it's funny like the only people younger than me that are fully like album people are just like very committed music nerds that like you know either either watch like needle drop or whatever or are like very (laughs) involved in like indie or like punk music where like people are still like putting out records and you know like it's kind of like that that older system of music distribution hasn't fully kind of crumbled yet but yeah no it's um it's like people people are a little i feel like people in music media are like even though it seems inevitable that mainstream music just moves to like singles as a a primary uh, thing like I don't know I'm I'm I hope I I just I don't want to come off as like a reactionary in any way because like yeah it's interesting and exciting to see where like the music business goes and the way people listen to music that's interesting to me but like I I do like feel like I want to evangelize the album as like a uh, just an an art form in itself, like a just a way to consume things. Because I don't know, it's like like may, maybe the only albums that are put out really will become just like those just kind of strictly concept albums, you know, where like you need multiple songs to tell a story or get across a point. Yeah. But um. I, I, I still see it as a, a very fun and important medium. Yeah, I don't think that's something that's going to die. And I don't think good album art's going to die. I don't think making a good track list is going to die or just like additional art. Because, um, I mean, you see behind me, I have all these vinyls. And even in there, there's inserts, there's additional images. There's just other things that really make that package. And sure, let's say... There's a one percenter hipster class of music nerd that only gets to enjoy that. That's fine, I guess. I mean, yeah, at some point everything's gonna go streaming. And that's fine, but there's still there's still the physical, there's still the mixtape, there's still that old feeling that we're never really gonna shake. I mean, if you look at the numbers now, vinyl's going up. More vinyl to be impressed now than it was maybe 10 years ago so um i think there's it might yeah it's not as big as the full crowd or the full populace but there is dedicated music nerds that will enjoy that and for me to build an app for them i'm more than happy for i'm more than happy or more than pleased more than fulfilled to be a part of that that system. No, yeah, that, that makes me want to ask you though. Uh, I, I'm I'm sure you have like this giant MP3 collection, um, but massive. Yeah. No, yeah. Do you, do you have like a num like a number of like terabytes or or whatever? Like, do you know exactly how much you have? It's a couple terabytes. Yeah. Um, which to me doesn't sound like a lot, but for other people, they're just. It's unfathomable. Casual music fan, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, for a casual music fan, that's a lot. Um, and a lot of it's synced into my, uh, because before this, I was syncing everything to my Apple Music. Mm. So if you, you see the sidebar, it's like 
microscopic and you can just drag that thing forever and there's always going to be another album (laughs) um yeah and it's just funny to see people's reaction like oh my god how did you even listen to all of this stuff how could you even um but yeah uh, it's a it's a collection that i'm proud of and even with my vinyl and my cd collection i mean it's uh i have a lot i have a lot um so yeah it's definitely a few terabytes um I think Mixtape Monkey has maybe 200 gigs of MP3s ready to go any moment. Nice. So, and that always changes depending on who gets signed and who doesn't. So, um, no, it's funny. It's it's something I feel kind of like proud of uh, is that um, since I like um, I was you know I was very interested. Like I got into hip-hop like basically with odd future and kind of have followed it closely since the early Mm -hmm. 10s and then also like the same thing with punk music so i was on just like a dozen different like hip-hop and punk blogs like downloading new eps and mixtapes and albums every week and kind of building an mp3 collection that way but that's i i feel like i i love having a lot of those files that are kind of hard to find at this point but I feel oh, yeah. particularly proud of uh, having taught my younger brother to basically do the same thing. And <laughs> like, I don't know another twenty-year-old uh, who has that has as large of a MP3 collection as he does. Because you know, anything he's like vaguely interested in, he'll he'll download the whole album. And yeah, he has a couple hard drives of stuff at this point. So nice. Yeah, I'm actually a bad influence on my little brothers. I have a, yeah, I think he's 12 right now. I have a 12 year old listening to Big L, so nice. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I also wanted to ask how. Yeah, you mentioned having CDs and vinyl too. How how big are those collections of yours? Uh, well, my vin- uh, my vinyl just uh, went down a lot. Um, I have another cousin. She's growing up, and she has become a Prince and Michael Jackson stand like I've never seen since early 90s honestly like mm. that woman is obsessed um and she just got into vinyls so I just gave her the collection I was like you know what I just got to pass it down the next generation needs to appreciate it so that was kind of you all I have is the vinyls up on the wall and maybe a couple over there some mm. of the old school hip-hop stuff but yeah my collection's gone now. What's but, uh, the, the CD situation like? Uh, CD collection, they just keep getting, they keep going missing. But yeah, I have about like 20 or 30 CDs just laying around. Okay. Yeah. So that's um, just casual listening stuff. Yeah. It's casual. Um, but the collection is definitely in the hard drive. Mm. And that's where it'll remain safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a, uh, that's for me personally. Mm. Um, I do want to get my vinyl game up. Um, and I might just with your sponsor. So. Oh yeah. The, the, the vinyl underground seventh heaven, uh, good, good people down there. Shout out to Sherman. Uh, they have quite the, the collection you can dig through. Um, no, yeah. Uh, something I, I really want to interview I, I don't know his name yet. I'm sure somebody's told me or I can find it easily enough, but 
have you ever run into the guy that does kcmixtapes.com? No, I have not run into that guy. Um, there's a KC mixtapes guy and there's a Midwest mixtapes guy. Mm. And they're kind of just really low key. And I can't really, I haven't searched that hard either. But, you know, when I've tried to look them up, I can't, I can't seem to figure out who these people are or if they're still active or if they're still doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, there's only so much reaching out that I feel like I need to do. Um, Cause there's a lot of people I need to reach out to. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a couple other mixtape websites that are like under me and I'm having frequent communications with them on just how to run and operate it. So uh, there's there's more active people that want my attention more so i'll just give it to them um but i am open to like talking to those people or passing on that contact if i get it but yeah i think it's one of those things i think maybe one of my next pandemic projects i i just uh i i only have like maybe a hundred ish cds but i did finally just organize all of those on discog on my discogs account and figure out what exact like pressing and like I kind of figured out what some of the more like rare CDs I have are but um I feel like next up I need to because uh, the, the Casey mix type tape site it's, it's kind of weird and like just how it's late like it's kind of an old school layout but I'm pretty sure like at least with a few rappers and I'm, I'm sure even more than I even know about like that's like the only place I can, I can find a lot of stuff. Cause like I was looking for like, I wanted to listen to like early stuff from this guy, Clark. I don't know if you know about him, but he, he's been putting I'm, out stuff for like. I know a Clark years. in Kansas city. I don't know if it's the Clark that you're talking about. Oh yeah. It's a Clark with an E at the end. He just, he's, he's gone by Clark, but also CB. Um, there's a Clark Roosevelt running yeah. around and he has a couple of mixtapes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think my next, project might have to be just downloading every mixtape from Casey mixtapes that I'm interested in and making sure those are not lost anywhere. And I'm I'm sure, I'm sure that guy has plenty of interesting kind of Casey rap history to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, if he's not working on that website anymore, I'll just, I don't mind absorbing that collection. Um, Because if it is something that he isn't working on that it would be important to preserve that uh, collection and that's also kind of where my website lies Um, different from adapt piff or spinrilla where you can just upload uh, your mixtape and that's cool and that's needed and that's very important but mine's more of a collection-based archive yeah it's kind of a curated thing yeah so um, and that's something that i all i do all by hand which is quite tedious at times but um i like that personal touch i like making sure all the meta tags are properly labeled and things like that just really really huge music nerd stuff that i take extra careful time with yeah any any true music nerd has has at least a bit of a stomach for tedious activities like just organizing and stuff like that and uh some like besides the fact that Mixtape Monkey is more um, just kind of closely curated and like the layout's very clean. 
and easy to use. One thing I appreciated when I was looking through it recently is that you can actually just click by year and see all of the mixtapes that came out that yes. year. And like, I'm pretty certain you can't do that on that bit for live mixtapes. You cannot do that anywhere else. Um, that's like, if you want to like, you can, if you have the time and the motivation, you can educate yourself fairly well on what happened in each year of hip hop just by uh, looking at the website and downloading and listening to stuff on there. So that's something I'm also yeah. a fan of. I used to have a really cool feature where it organized artists by the label that they were signed to, mm. but that got so chaotic because, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, labels get broken up and then they get signed to another label. And then yeah. it's like, do I move that mixtape to that label or do I move it to this label? Yeah. And it's kind of like at, go? At, at this point, like most labels, most like labels that are our major labels or are owned by major labels. Like there's not really much of a, like a a brand anymore really like you can't yeah. like who's like who's to say like if like Travis Scott doesn't sound more like a, a Sony artist than a universal artist it's kind of just like oh no I did, it sub, I did it to the sub label yeah which was no, even yeah. scarier so it was just like 1017 yeah. all right 1017 broke up so where does Waka Flocka go where does Gucci Mane go yeah and one, one they of the together only, yeah one of the so only really somewhere. distinct like imprints right now is like alamo because they they're they're they've been signing like all of the kind of like soundcloud party rap type stuff but beyond maybe two or three imprints like yeah in 2020 it doesn't really yeah it doesn't matter, matter what label you're on <laughs> um and a lot of people are going independent so it was just yeah. one of those things um right now i've been toying with this idea for like five years it's uh genres do we need genres yes or no mm. That's a question for you. Oh, uh, just in, in the way you, you organize music on, on a platform? Well, I, I run a hip-hop website, and yeah. everything that I label is hip-hop or R&B. Yeah. Do I need my genres, yes or no? Um, I mean, I, I would appreciate having the option to click one or the other. And just because, I mean, I'm not as well-versed in R&B as I am hip-hop. So, yeah, maybe if I want to click... What would happened in 2012 R&B? Maybe you know, be able to select each of those. Like, I don't think it's like a thing that anybody desperately needs, but if you have yeah. the time to build out something like that, I'm sure someone would appreciate it. Yeah. So, is turn it off or on, or do a tagging system. Uh. This is this might not even be something that you might want for the podcast, but it's super nerdy. Basically, hip hop has a huge spectrum. From trap to conscious to lyrical to emo rap to yep. all that. So uh, do I label all of, do I go back and label my 3000 album collection yep. to subgenres to make it easier for people to find something that's a little more like uh, an X, XX Tentacion or or make a sub label for someone that's trying to listen to um let's see someone like a lecrae mm. um yeah i want to i want to do a christian rap deep dive <laughs> yeah yeah is that is that is that something worth <laughs> is that something that i need to do uh and i debate if i want to stomach that task because yeah. going back and listening to everything and finding a label for it and then some of them would have to have multiple labels because some of them are R&B, rap, 
trap. Some of them are lyrical and party music is. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that I want to take on, but it's it's an idea that I'm toying with. And... Yeah, no, I think every kind of music platform or someone even with a pr- private like collection always kind of is trying to figure out how to best organize things and make it easy to browse. So, it's, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm sure, I'm sure those type of things do kind of rattle around in your your head plenty. And where do I put Drake? Drake is everywhere. Drake is everywhere. Drake right? is everything, except except maybe Christian. Uh, he 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 got some he, Christian he's got God's, here in there. He's got God's plan. Um. No, yeah. So you, um, I was looking at the YouTube page and like you you have a little tutorial about how to use Tape Eater, yes. and uh, then you also have some some music, uh, some mixtapes on there that you just wanted to upload to YouTube, but you also have uh, a couple, like, is it was it just like one song live sessions you did with Crystal and Macy? Yeah, yeah. So that was back when I was doing the podcast party. Um, it was a big project that I was doing with a couple of podcasters from Kansas City. And basically we would, uh, every month, we would have one weekend set out and we would record as many podcasts from as many different podcasters in the city all in one weekend and we had this huge place and one room would have a podcast going another room would have a podcast going another room would have a podcast going and I was in charge of kind of handling the music situation because at the end of it every night we would have three or four bands or artists come in and perform Um, we have a few more videos I think I have one of Ivy Roots somewhere floating around Um, but yeah basically we would all and it was like an open bar situation too. So you can get as fucked up as you wanted and just hit record all day. So this is like a lot of day drink. <laughs> it, was, it was a really cool project. Um, we didn't have a way to monetize it or sustain the space. Um, so unfortunately it is a project that had to die. Um, but yeah, so those are some of the live performances from them. Um, the YouTube is definitely mangled because um, I just have a bunch of different content and I'm trying to find something more consistent that I can do, whether that is a podcast or just post more music videos or mixtapes. Mm. It's just what can I do without being or putting my channel at risk. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have uh, you mentioned Ivy Roots and you have stuff you've done with Crystal and Macy. Um, so no, and I, I remember you came out to the the show I helped out with with uh, Crystal and oh and yeah Macy was there too I think uh yes at the fundraiser show we did and that was a lot of fun uh, are, are there any other uh kansas city artists that you're really excited about right now yeah so right now i'm working closely with uh irv the phenom he's converted his name from nowadays back to irv the phenom recently mm-hmm. working closely with him um working closely with uh nick danger working closely with uh a new singer jazz uh she's recently found oh, yeah. in EP, yeah, it's an EP. Um, so that's actually on the homepage of Mixtape Monkey right now. Yeah, it's called At the Close of a Decade, something like that. Yeah, at the end of a decade, or yeah, something like that. Mm. So that's an artist that I'm really, really starting to enjoy. Um, and there's a few artists that I need to still kind of discover and learn about. Um, I just ran into, was it Slap City? Is that his name? 
Uh, yeah, that's a, I'm, I'm not too familiar with him, but I've, I've heard of him. He has yeah, some so stuff ran, with Ray Money. Yeah, so I ran into this guy recently and was just like, okay, um, there's a lot of buzz about him in certain pockets of Kansas City, so that's someone I need to discover. Um, and it's just that juggling thing that I'm doing where I'm playing with new features that may or may never show up on Mixtape Monkey, posting new music, looking at new videos, marketing myself, building the app, accounting, unfortunately and trying to find a personal life and trying to maintain relationships with these artists. Yeah. Familiar with the, the juggling act of Oof. running a, a one-man music app, uh, operation, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a, it's a headache. And there's, other, there's so many things I wanna do. I wanna get into live performances. I want, to, I want to even build another platform that actually pays artists uh, what, they're, what, they're, what they deserve. Mm. Um, and I've reached out to other mixtape sites and even Bandcamp to make that happen. But no one wants to hear me until, I don't know, just no one wants to hear me or what I have to say, unfortunately, in that world. So in the meantime, keep building the cool features, keep building the pathway for artists um, and just making music discovery organic still. Because it has definitely been taken over by algorithms and labels. Yeah. And it's really sad to see. Mm. Did, did, what, can you talk at all about the specific ideas you had for the, this other monetized platform? Uh, yeah. I mean, if anyone can execute the idea, they can have it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I basically wanted to build a union for artists. Um, and then, so I would get all the independent artists and all the artists that are currently signed somehow get out of their deals. Everyone go unsigned, hold off for making music for a while, release a new streaming platform, uh, and charge it. Let's say the, the number is $20 a month. And, um, this app would take $5 a month and then spread the 15 amongst the artists. And I think that business model is a little bit more scalable than what Spotify is doing. And if we're not including the labels, um, which you could include at some point, but the problem with Spotify is that the label's taking all the royalties and giving none of it to the artists. Yeah. So if we can cut the pie a little more fairly, that would be That'd be great. Um, and then redistribute the music, not off per stream, but per attention per user. So if you spend your $20 a month and then you, all you listen to is uh, Crystal Rose, then all, all the proceeds that aren't going towards the expenses of maintaining the company go to Crystal Rose. Yeah. And if you listen to Drake and Crystal Rose, then that $15 gets split, half goes to Drake, that goes to Crystal Rose. Or if you got a really wide variety of artists, it gets distributed evenly. And even then there's problems with that model, but there is a way, a more fair way to do this. Um, and Spotify is currently seeing a lot of problems with the way they built it because artists are getting paid per stream. And that's at a fraction of a fraction of a penny. And then you incentivize these people to 
basically run up their streams. So you see all these independent artists last week get their music taken down because they're paying to get playlisted or paying uh, spam bots to listen to their stuff or they're making their little brother play play their song on Spotify and repeat. And then now their music's being taken down. And it's an unfortunate thing, but you also you also built the game to be played that way um, to the point where artists are making two-minute songs and not three or four-minute songs. Mm. So I want to change the culture of it. It's just... It's just hard coming with a proper way to distribute the funds. Yeah, no. Because people, uh, yeah, people are willing to pay for it. It's just you got to make it worth it. Yeah, no, it's, and, a, it's a tough battle to to fight. Yeah, and it's one of those things. It's just like, yeah, I'm a platform that doesn't pay artists, but I'm also not making money. So, <laughs> um, how do I change both of those situations for both of us? Because I would love money, and I'd love to see my artists or the artists that I represent have money too. Um. And I honestly want to see the labels get paid too, but they can't be greedy. They can't abuse people this way. And it's it's frustrating and I'm thinking about it every day, honestly. I just need more resources, more connections and smarter people around me. Yeah, no, the, the Startland article also mentioned that you have been like trying to set up a collaboration with Tidal, like you were in contact with people there what, what was that supposed to look like? It, it said, I said it, that fell through. Yeah. So it was basically a small uh, affiliate uh, affiliate link deal. But basically the idea is I have all the free music, you have all the paid music. Yeah. And I wanted to set up the database where any song or any uh, album that comes through in the hip hop category will get placed under Mixtape Monkey. And a user could listen to it or whatever it was. Uh, but it would take him back to title and they would pay for it. it they are the they are the company that pays artists the most i think them or napster but way more than spotify for sure yeah. so you support this company they pay the artists it works and if you want something that's more obscure you go through me and i wanted to build that fork in the road so if you are looking up drake and then you find his room for a proven mixtape you download it and like oh i want to listen to views you can still do that but the artist gets paid at the end of the day uh but that deal died in its infancy unfortunately sorry to hear that that was a COVID thing i don't blame anyone over a title um they've been really cool with me uh but yeah they had to do a lot of following and laying people off Mm. due to the pandemic so Hopefully they can rebuild up. Maybe Jack Dorsey pay, uh, buys them. Maybe we can refigure, reconfigure, and do something that really that's really more impactful for artists. Because um, for an artist to do a certain amount of numbers and not be able to pay their light bill is bothersome. Yeah, especially in this time where they can't do the shows. Yeah, and they can't. And it's harder to sell merch because, you know, some people are impulse buyers and they'll buy it when they see you do a, a good performance. Yeah. And they don't get to see that. So now I'm being harassed by a bunch of artists that want to sell me their t-shirts, but I don't know anything about them. And we don't get that connection. And it's rough. It's, it's bad all around. So if we can just re-strategize on how we do this, it'd be important 
Yeah, no, and uh, it is uh, frustrating to watch, like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I think, uh, in America, but also pretty much worldwide, like, we've kind of been on the course of, like, homogenizing and mainstreaming, like, the, the music industry into just, you know, these huge companies that basically have monopolies on, you know, the rights to all the most popular music. But um, I think the, the pandemic really just like packed a huge punch in like, yeah, just knocking down anyone trying to do it independently. And I think we're gonna, the music industry and musicians, you know, the actual artists and uh, contractors are like really gonna be grappling with this for a very long time and trying to rebuild from it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's things that's, are bad. Things are it's, it's no good. Think things aren't things are bad for sure. Um, so to any of the listeners that are still listening to me ramble on, pay the artists, <laughs> subscribe to them, yes, like them, follow them on YouTube, do anything that will help them get that edge because. Um, seeing your local artists get 20, 50,000 streams in a year might seem like a win for them, but they got paid $140 for that, maybe. Yeah. And uh, we have to change that. Things are bad. It's not good. We don't like it. But what can people look forward to? Like, are, are you, are you, are you <laughs> launching any uh, like new features or you, you kind of work? You're, you're, I'm sure you're mostly just trying to push tape eater right now and get more people to know about that pushing tape eater i want to get the android version out i also want to add uh some integration uh to make it a little easier for people to download mixtapes on there um if any of the uh mixtape websites will answer my emails um but yeah um it's just doing that for now um and basically the plan um, is to get these numbers up, run the numbers up, and I want to put myself in a position, at least in the music industry, where the projects that I do are considered beneficial to music and artists as a whole, and put myself in a position to where I can raise real capital um, as an entrepreneur, it's really hard for me to raise funds, even for this tape eater app, basically couldn't raise any funds. Um, and if I think if I was a more respectable person in the industry or a more uh, less obscure person in the industry, I can hit up a couple people and be like, hey, we need to raise 20 to $50 million to build a platform that actually pays people, that actually respects artists, that actually does this and that or whatever it is and build that platform because it's not something that I can do in my lifetime by myself with my limited knowledge and my limited connections and my limited resources, you know? So it's, it's, it's trying to catapult myself into that position. So yeah, download the app, subscribe, all that stuff. No, yeah. Where, where can people, uh, like you, you have mixtapemonkey.com uh, where can yeah. people find you on social media and 
also download the apps. Yeah, so you can find me on social media at markstronopro.com if you want any of my personal accounts, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Mixtape Monkey if you want to talk more music or submit your music or just listen to things, mixtapemonkey.com to download mixtapes, tapeeater.com if you want to learn more about the app, and tapeeater on the iOS app store if you want to download and build that collection of yours up. Awesome. Yeah, and people can follow at ShellcockMag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. ShellcockMusic.com is the website. ShellcockMag.BigCartel.com is the web store. We have t-shirts, photo zines, buttons, and soda podcast prints. Um, make sure you subscribe wherever you watch or listen. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you being on the show this is i i feel like i i learned a lot because <laughs> we, we i only me. i'd only really bumped into you a couple times and glad we were i was able to sit yeah down i know talk. i'm quiet and reserved in public i but i'm thinking i'm thinking <laughs> 20 thoughts at the same time and it looks like i mean mugging people but i'm not i'm just really deep in thought oh no i didn't i didn't feel offended at all Okay, a lot of people are like, you're really intimidating in person. I'm like, I'm thinking so many things right now. And you just you just have to have that conversation. And I'll just sit there and just divulge all of my information to you if you need it. Everyone, Mark, is really friendly. Say hi after the pandemic. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, no, yeah. thank you again for being on the show today. I'm going to stop the recording now. All right. <laughs> thank you.